for being here. If you're joining us online on Facebook or YouTube, I thank you for being a part of our service here this morning as well. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew. We've been reading from these scriptures the last couple weeks as we finish up a series today called We Are Grace. We Are Grace. And so uh, I want to talk to you about our values here as a church. What do we value as a church? If you're new to grace, we're going to put the scriptures up on the screen. But if you have your Bibles, let's follow along as we read in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start in verse number 44. It says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys the field. Verse 45 says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. And when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. Listen, this is two different parables. Now, The reason why the parables are so important is because actually they're not true stories. Well, you say, Pastor, that doesn't make sense. No, it makes perfect sense. The fact that it's not a true story should actually tell us that Jesus, when he's telling the story, can go anywhere he wants, right? He can go anywhere within the realms of possibility. He doesn't go off into science fiction and fantasy land. He stays within the realm of possibility. He's telling an earthly story of what could happen. It is possible that this could take place. But because it's not a true story, he can go anywhere he wants with the story within the realms of possibility. So that means every word, every line is important. All right, so Jesus is telling these stories, and he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And these two parables are back to back, and they're almost, they sound similar, but they're actually different. The first one tells the story of a man who, like, he stumbles upon a treasure. And he's just walking by, and he stumbles upon this treasure, and he's actually in the field, and he buries the treasure in the field. And then he goes off and he bargains with the owner of the field. And he's willing to sell everything that he has because he knows something that other people don't know. He knows that in that field, hidden, buried underneath the dirt, there is a treasure. There's a treasure. I want to talk to you today about our values as a church. We have five key values that we value as a church, and we've been sharing them over the last couple weeks. But at first, I got to tell you why values are so important. Values are so important to us, not just as a church, as a society, as a people, as a family, as an individual, to have a set of values. And the first reason is this. Values allow us to move past what would make others stop. We said this two weeks ago. Values allow us to move past what would make others stop. So in other words, where other people would walk by the field and all they saw was dirt, this person knew there was value in the field and he was willing to stop, right? And he was willing to look past the dirt because he knew that in the field was a treasure, right? See, we're talking about churches and why it's important to belong to a church, And why do people go from church to church to church to church is because they get to a church and they can't get past the dirt. They just can't get past the dirt. They just say, well, you know, this, you know, it's okay, but 
I saw this and I didn't like this and nobody did this and you know what I mean and the music was this and I didn't like that and you know what I mean just you just can't get past the dirt to see the value and so they go from church to church to church that's how people go from marriage to marriage to marriage they can't get past the dirt but I got news for you your spouse isn't perfect and neither are you come on now when you said I do guess what you bought the whole field all of it. You got the treasure and you got the dirt. And if you can't get past the dirt, you'll never get to the treasure. Hello. And so we have to understand is that you get both. And so when you're part of a church, guess what? It's not perfect. Every church, there's some dirt and you have to be willing to look past it and say, Hey, listen, I can put up with, with a little bit of dirt because I see the value there. So that's why we're talking about values. And then we said last week, Pastor Tom preached, and he said this last week. He said, Values allow us always to exchange, or allow us also to exchange the lesser for the greater. The lesser for the greater. In the pearl of the great price, this man was looking. Where, where the first parable, the man kind of stumbled upon a treasure. In the second parable, the one right behind it, Jesus says this man was looking. He was looking. He was seeking. He was trying to find that one thing that he could sell everything out for and buy that thing. Right? Buy that thing. And so it's this great exchange that takes place. Listen, I got news for you. Being a part of a church is not easy. It's not convenient. It's more convenient to stay home. It's more convenient to sleep in. It's more convenient to do nothing. Huh? It's more convenient to just pet your dog, right? And just, just, just stay home and watch TV. It's just more convenient to do that. Just go to breakfast, right? And just go, okay, you know, I don't have to put up with people. I don't have to get dressed. I don't have to get up early. I don't have to belong. I don't have to volunteer. I don't have to serve. I don't have to do any of that. Listen, I'm just going to do nothing. It's easier to do that, right? But that's the lesser. And you have to be willing to exchange the lesser, the sleeping in, the doing the nothing, right? The doing what you want, when you want to do it. You have to be willing to exchange the lesser for the greater, right? The reason I'm here today is because I value worship. Hallelujah. I value coming to God's house and worshiping with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I see such value there that I'm willing to get up early. I'm willing to do what it takes to get here so that I can fellowship. I value worship. I value fellowship. The reason why I belong to a connect group is because I value relationships. Come on now. Amen. So I have to be willing to exchange the lesser. Listen, you can't change the world staying home. Nothing wrong with staying home. One of my favorite things to do is to say to my wife, hey, baby, we do anything tonight? No. Woo! I love those nights. What are we doing? Nothing. Where are we going? Nowhere. Where am I going? To bed. Woo! Praise the Lord. 7.30, out cold. Right? Those are great nights. 
nothing wrong. But you can't change the world that way. You have to be willing to exchange that. That's just lesser. You'll just get to the end of your life and you'll go, what have I done with my life? I've done nothing. I've stayed home and watched TV. I need to do something with my life. And to do something with my life means I've got to be willing to exchange all of those things for something greater. And the greater is I have to go to a place where I belong. I have to be willing to exchange all of that for something else that will help me reach people. Make my life count. Fulfill my destiny. Do something with my life. Hallelujah. Then the third value I want to give you today, uh, fresh and anew, is this. Values allow us to leave a legacy for the next generation. Let's talk about that today. Values allow us to leave a legacy for the next generation. We talked about five values that we have as a church. Five values that we have as a church. We've given you three of them. Let me go over them real quick, and then I'm going to give you two more today. The first value is so important. Actually, it's the most important. If we miss this one, we've missed it all. Every value we have comes from this one, and it's the value of biblical authority. We believe in the Bible. I still preach from the Bible. Listen, if I ever get up here and just tell stories, read a poem, watch a cute little video... Don't walk out of the church, run as fast as you can and go to a church where the pastor gets up, opens his Bible and reads from the word of God. Can I go to good amen from somebody, right? Because the, va- the, the value that we have that's above every value is we see our world through the lens of the Bible. If I had glasses on, everything that I see would come through the lens of the Bible. So we have to get back to the Word of God. Listen, culture doesn't shape God's Word. God's Word shapes culture. Amen? It is the source of all truth. It is the source of my morality. Listen, where do I get right from wrong from? I get it here in God's Word. Listen, it's my foundation. It's truth. I believe it from cover to cover, from Genesis to the maps. I believe this book. And when we've strayed as a nation, and as a society, and as a world, that means we've strayed from this book. And we've got to get back to teaching the Word of God. Amen? And we've got to get back to, to getting up early and getting into the Word of God and praying and letting the Word of God shape us and, and make the decisions of our life based on the truth of God's Word. Amen? So we said that's the first and most important value. And then last week, Pastor Tom was teaching. He said the second thing we value is discipleship. We value discipleship. We want to train people. We want to lead people to grow in their walk with Christ. Listen, I believe that Christianity is for mature audiences. You understand? What I mean by that is this. God doesn't want you to stay immature your whole life. He intends that you grow up. Right? Listen, you, we, we all start off the same way, right? But at some point, you got to go, okay, listen, we, we want to grow in our faith. I need, to, I need to be shaped. I need to be molded. And to do that, it's called discipleship. I'm willing to follow people, and ultimately, I'm willing to lead other people who are going to follow me. We're going to do this thing called life together, and we're going to grow. The reason we have first-step classes, the reason we have equip classes, the reason we have connect groups is because we want people to grow in their faith. We're growing in our faith, and we're leading others to do the same. I'm growing. I want to continue to grow. Guess what? You never stop growing. We got to keep growing and we got to keep expanding and we got to keep increasing. Amen. 
So we got to keep discipling people. And then the, the third one that we gave last week, Pastor Tom did, is we're spirit-led church. We make room for the Holy Spirit to minister every time we gather. Every time we gather. Whether it's in the nursery, whether it's in kids' church, in middle school, youth on Wednesday night, connect groups. Every time we gather, we want to make room for the Holy Spirit to minister. Listen, I come up here on Sunday mornings, and I sit in that seat uh, or, or stand there in the front row, and, and I, I know that there's things that I want to do. I've got announcements, and those are all sitting right here. And I've got uh, a sermon with points, and it's all sitting right here. And it's all on paper. But do you know what's not on paper? It's when I sit on that seat, uh, stand there, I should say, on that row, and I ask during the worship, I say, Holy Spirit, where do you want to go today? What do you want to do? Do you want us to sing it again? Do you want us to pray for people? Do you want me to call people up? Do you want to go and do you want to pray for people for healing? What, what do you want me to do today, right? Because listen, if we just gather and he's not here, what's the point? I'm going to try that again. I'm going to say, if, if we gather and he's not here, what's the point? Right? Well, this ain't no social club. Right? This is a Kiwanis. This is, this is church. Come on now. And to have church, you have to have the Holy Spirit. Amen? Listen, I never shy away from. People ask me sometimes. I see them. I'll tell them I'm a, I'm a pastor or something. And, and, you know, when they go, oh, what kind of church do you pastor? I never shy away from what kind of church we are. I never tell them, oh, just come. You'll find out. I mean, I never say that, oh, we believe like everybody else or it's just the same as any other church you're fine. I tell them, we're spirit-filled church. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We pray for people. Come on now. We shout. We lift our hands. I don't shy away from any of that stuff because guess what? They're going to find out when they get here anyway. Come on now. Might as well set them up. Right? Just set you up. Right? Because I just believe if it's in here, it ought to be in here. Amen? If it's in the Word of God, then we ought to preach it, we ought to teach it, and we ought to put it on display. Amen? So we are a spirit-led church. Woo, hallelujah. I could just preach that whole message again. All right? But the, one I, the two I want to share today is this. The, first of our, the fourth value and the first one I want to share today is family ministry. We're teaching every generation to reach every generation. We're teaching every generation to reach every generation. Hallelujah. We're a family ministry. We, we value family ministry. We value generations. Whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're a grandparent here today, whether you're a teenager today, whether you're a kid. Listen, we value generations. You know, God, when he would identify himself, he identified himself as, as a generational God. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He identified himself generationally. Amen. Do you know Psalms 145 verse 4 says this? It says, each generation... Will praise, look, one generation shall praise your, watch this, works to another generation. It doesn't say praise your name. It says praise your works. That means we tell of what God has done. Hallelujah. We tell about what God has done. 
We're not just in here just saying, whoo, just say Jesus. Listen, we talk about what he's done. He's a miracle working God, amen? And we need to teach that God still moves. God still stirs. God still heals. God still performs miracles, amen? We need to teach that to every generation. Hallelujah. We need to teach this word to every generation. We need to teach the word of God to every generation because the extinction of Christianity is just one generation away. Just one generation away. Listen, that's how I grew up. I can still remember the name of my kids' church leaders. Alice Jiggins and Lilla Nangle. I still remember their name. Sister Lilla, I'd be eight years old in kids' church, and Sister Lilla would walk over, and she was from Jamaica, and she would say, lift your hands, children, lift your hands. <laughs> and you didn't dare not lift your hands if Sister Lilla said to lift her hand, your hands. So I would just, you know, that was me. Listen, that was me at eight. Today, a few years later, I lift my hands. Woo! Come on now. Ain't nobody got to tell me no more. Right? I still remember the name of my Royal Ranger leader. Royal Rangers was a church. We had a church. Well, we, there's a church in Lake Worth I grew up in. We had a little program called Royal Rangers. It was like Christian Boy Scouts. Del Morris was my Royal Ranger leader. I remember the name of my Sunday school teacher. Who remembers Sunday school? Come on now. I still remember the name of my teachers. John Campbell and Jerry Hagan. I remember their names. I remember the name of every youth pastor I've ever had. I had three, Mike Mulvaney, Mel Rolls, and Kevin Pitt. I remember them. They helped shape my life. And everybody that I reach, watch this, everybody that I reach, they have a part in it. Amen? Why? Because one generation tells of what God has done to another generation. Listen, this is why we are, as a society, as a, as a nation, this is why we're seeing the moral decay that we're seeing. How is it, how is it that young girls can march in the street and demand for the right to murder a baby that's on the inside of them? How did we get there as a society? Here's how. Somebody didn't shape them. Somebody didn't tell of what God has done. Somebody didn't speak the truth of God's word, that that's not a clump of cells. That is a living, breathing baby that God put there with purpose and destiny. Listen, and when we begin as a society to just take the word of God and push it to the side and, and, and people can just do whatever they want to do, then listen, we are facing extinction as, as, as Christians, that's why we're in the mess that we're in. But if we would just rise up and say, no, we have got to begin to speak truth again. We've got to begin to talk about what God has done. We have to tell people that this just isn't some ancient book, just some set of ideas that, that you could take and pick from, from what you want. Listen, we have to preach that this is the truth of God's word. We have to preach that to the next generation and the generations to come. You know, in Genesis, the very end of Genesis, there was a man by the name of Joseph that you've probably heard of. Joseph was a good man. Joseph made great choices in life. Joseph had great values as a person. And do you know that he actually brought 
the nation of Egypt and the nation of Israel together. And for a brief period of time, they coexisted in peace and blessing. During a time of famine, Joseph brought them together. But watch what happened. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, And a new king of Egypt arose who did not know Joseph. He did not know Joseph or what God had done through Joseph. And his choice, because nobody shaped him, because nobody reached him, his choice was to take the Israelites and make them slaves. And that's exactly what happened. We're seeing that today in our society. We're missing Right? And I'm not saying everybody, and I'm not saying everybody's missing it. I'm just saying that, that we have got to get back to the Word of God and teaching this to our children and our children's children. There's a church in Tulsa that has one mission statement, and here's the mission statement. Reaching our future before our future reaches us. Whew. See, nobody reached this future king of Egypt, and ultimately the future king of Egypt reached them. And not in a good way. We have got to teach the word of God to our children. We've got to teach these values to our children. We have to believe that every generation should reach every generation. Listen, our kids' church leadership, right? We should be pushing people away. We should be saying, no, we're, we're full. We have so many volunteers. We don't even know what to do with them. Why? Because there's a hunger inside of us to reach the next generation. Amen. When I was in North Florida, I was a youth pastor at a church there, and there was this guy there. His name was Bill, and Bill was a good guy, man. But Bill was about as plain and ordinary as anybody out there. I mean, he was almost as plain as me. I mean, this guy was plain. He was pretty ordinary, just a country guy, right? But he just said, I got to do something. I got to do something. So he volunteered to drive the church bus. Now, when I say bus, I mean bus. We had a bus, a 66-passenger yellow bus. And we would have Wednesday night activities. We had that Royal Ranger Missionette program. There was an adult service. There was nursery. And then there was youth. And so I was in charge of Wednesday night activities for 18 and under. I was in charge of the whole thing. And so Bill started driving the bus. And he'd pick up some kids, and then he'd drop them off. But then he started picking up more kids, and more kids, and more kids. And so he would drop off 66 kids. We had like 20 adults in the whole, in the whole church on Wednesday nights. He'd drop off 66 kids, and then he'd say, okay, I'm going to get back some more. I'm going to get some more. I'll be right back. Bill, where are you getting these kids? And did you even get permission to get them? He's like, no, I just, I just opened the door. They just started coming in. I'm like, Bill, that's kidnapping. That's not even, we've crossed the line. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to get arrested, Bill. We're, this is not legal. You can't just grab children off the street. You know what I'm saying? Like, this ain't right. So we had to tweak some things, right? But he just had a heart for kids. Listen, he didn't have any kids in the program. Bill's kids were grown. They were adults, right? He didn't have any kids in the program. He just wanted to reach kids. And I'll never forget saying goodbye to him that one last time. I was in the hospital room 
right when he passed away, and I thought, what a reward, this guy. Because all he wanted to do was reach children. Just reach them. Sure, we had to tweak some things. We had to make some changes and get these things called permission slips. We got to get permission slips going, Bill. But he just thought it was so important to reach that next generation. We have to do it. Family ministry. And then the fifth value I want to give you today is called generosity. Generosity. We're using our time, our talents, and our finances to reach our world. If you have your Bibles, I want to read today from Luke chapter number 13. Luke chapter 13. Let's turn there. We're going to end with this particular set of scriptures. Actually, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Here's another opportunity for Jesus to tell a parable. This one's a little different because he's actually asked a question before he gets to the parable. This man comes up to Jesus. It says this in Luke chapter 12, verse number 13. It says, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said, and Jesus said back to the man, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to him, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. So here's a man that comes to Jesus. He's probably exhausted the court system. There was probably no other avenue. And so he thought, I've got to go to Jesus now because my brother is not dividing the inheritance properly, equally, or maybe even at all. So he didn't know what to do. So he goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, since you're a leader, since you're a teacher, since, since people are following you, could you tell my brother that he's supposed to divide the inheritance 50-50, right? And Jesus said, that's not my business. That's not my business. I'm not going to get involved in that. Here's what he says. But he notices the guy's heart. See, Jesus was always able to move past just questions and get into people's hearts, right? And he says to him, be careful. Be careful. Don't get caught up in money. Do you hear me now? He's saying, don't get caught up in that stuff because your life does not consist of your possessions, right? And then he told a parable. So then he did this parable in verse number 16. says, then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain man yielded plentifully and he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? And it says this, and he thought within himself, so verse 18 says, so he said, I will do this, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I'll store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years, take your ease, sit, drink, and be merry, eat, drink, and be merry. Here's Jesus telling a parable. Remember now, in the parables, he can always go wherever he wants to go. He's not limited by details and of actual events. So he's able to go anywhere he wants to go, and he tells the story of a man who worked hard and became wealthy. But this man had a moment. Watch this. He had a moment of clarity 
when he began to think, what am I going to do with my excess? Now, I want you to catch this, right? He doesn't say, what am I going to do with all that I have? Right? He just says, what am I going to do with my increase? See, it's not that Jesus wants your mortgage payment and now you get to live homeless, right? He doesn't want your car and now you get to walk everywhere. The parable is this. You've got to be careful, right? Because what are you going to do with your excess? What are you going to do with the increase? What are you going to do with the things that it's just more than, than you need, right? You have what you need and then there's more than what you need. And in that moment of clarity, he actually thinks this to himself. What am I going to do with the excess, with all the excess? And he says to himself, I'll build more barns so that I can store more stuff. Because it's just about stuff. Listen, I have, I have nothing wrong with stuff, Right? I tell people, live in the best house that you can. You work hard, enjoy the fruit of your labor. Drive the best car you can, right? If it's within, within your means, if you can do that and, and you can budget for it and that, that works for you, go for it. Enjoy it. You worked hard, enjoy it. But the excess, right? Now we, now we get to the point where, okay, I've got, I've got way more than I need. What am I going to do? In that moment of clarity... That's when you need to begin to think about what can I do with that? What can I do with that? And you can say to yourself, well, I could just buy more stuff, right? Or I can just get bigger. I could just get better. Or I can do something else with it. This man chose poorly. And watch what happens in verse number uh, 20. It says this, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you then will, whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Watch this. God actually says to him, your life is required of you now. It's the end of your life. Your life's over. And then God asks him a, an important question that we all should ask ourselves. The stuff that I've accumulated... What's going to happen to it? Who's it going to be, right? Because I believe, I believe we all just go through life collecting. We're collecting. And, and we should have an answer to that question. See, the man had no answer to the question. Now, I believe we should leave some for our kids and our, and our grandkids. Come on, somebody. Some of you are saying, no, just grandkids. No, no, kids and grandkids. The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But then there's that excess, right? And I'm talking about excess time that I have, excess talent, which some of us have more than others, and excess finances. I was sitting with a couple this week. They were in our, in our home, and the couple's been very successful. They've worked hard. They've built a business, and they're very comfortable. They're not rich but they're very, very comfortable uh, with their finances. And so we were sitting and talking, and, um, and you know, they're, they're close to retiring age, and, 
And we started talking about finances and inheritance and leaving it for the kids. And um, I said, you know what, I, 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 don't, I think we should leave something for our kids. I, I, there's, absolutely, that should happen, right? We, we, we should never have put that bumper sticker that says, I'm spending my children's inheritance. I hate that bumper sticker. <laughs> Bad. All right, so, so don't cruise through life, you know, just spending your, your inheritance that you're supposed to leave. Leave something. But more than just stuff, right? I said, you know what I want to do is I want to leave something now. I want to be able to see it in action. I want to give something to my kids when they need it, not when they're 50 and they are established. I want to, I want to see, I want to help them now. I want to do something now. I want to see it now. You know why? Because I don't know how long I've got left to live. And I don't want to just go through life and just think that I've got 20 more years and I come to the end of my life and, and I'm not prepared and I haven't done the things that I've wanted to do and there's still so much more inside of me that wants to be done, needs to get done. I want to see this next generation reached now. Amen. Do you know that this morning, listen, I get up early on Sunday mornings, real early. It's like a four in front of where I get up, all right? So I'm up early. And inevitably, I, I make my way to Facebook, and one of the reasons is, is because I watch a few minutes of uh, a service that's in Belgium, in Europe. My best friend there and one of the missionaries we've been supporting for 15 years here at the church uh, passes two campuses in Belgium, one in Brussels and one in Antwerp. And I was watching him this morning preach, and I remember being with him about six years ago. And we walked the streets of Antwerp, Belgium. And he said, Brian, you know, God's put it on my heart to start a church here. God's put it on my heart that, that we're supposed to have a coffee shop. And from that coffee shop, God's going to grow a church. I don't know how he's going to do it. I just know he's going to do it. And I said this, I want to sow the first seed from our church into that church. So we sent $5,000 over there just to help him get started. Do you know that this morning was the first morning they had two services in a country called Belgium that has less than 1% who call themselves Christian. Can we give God praise for that? Two services. They were already filled. They have to do reservations there because of the, the lockdown that's on the country. They were already filled to capacity. Two services. Amen? Listen, we're a part of that, right? Listen, it's because of your generosity. I want to give. I want to do something. I want to do it now. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait till, till people just say good things in front of a casket. I want to do it right here, right now. I want to serve. I want to give. I want to be generous. I want to do something now. Amen? I brought something with me today to end service with, and I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come up. He'd lead us in the keyboard, and, and I just want to end service this way. This is, work with me here, a baton. You said, Pastor, it looks like a lead pipe. It's a baton, people. Okay? It's a baton. It is not a lead pipe. It's a baton. I got this this morning, and I, I had this idea, and I talked to somebody. I said, Do you, can you make me a baton? And they brought me this. Because the truth is, is that 
Whether you know it or not, everybody in this room is running a race. And we're going to get to the end of our race. I don't know how many years I have left. I have no idea. But I know this. I'm running now. But I also know that at some point, my race is going to end. And I've accumulated and I got stuff. Nothing wrong with having stuff. I've got stuff. And I take great vacations. Go for it. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. But also, I don't want to just accumulate. I don't want to just collect. I want to give. I want to be generous, right? With what God has blessed me with. I want to sacrifice. I want to work. I want to serve. And I want to shape. Watch this. I want to shape the people that I'm going to pass this baton to. Because if you've ever seen the relay runners, what they do is they grab a baton and they run with everything they got, buddy. They run and they run and they run and they run. And they're running with all their might. But at some point they know, I'm about to pass this thing off. And so they start looking for the person that they're going to pass the baton to. And here's what they do. They grab the baton and they just stretch it out. They just stretch it out. And they say, here you go. Here you go. And listen, they stretch it out to somebody who's running. And that person just just begins to run and they are just looking. They just hold their hand out. They're just waiting for somebody to just pass them the baton so that they can grab it and they could run and run and run and run and pass the baton to somebody else. Paul told Timothy this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He said this. He said, I fought the good fight. He said, I have finished the race. It goes on to say this in verse number 8. Now there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. There's a reward that's waiting for me. Amen? And listen, there's a reward that's waiting for you. But listen, these two values that I talked about today, helping to shape this next generation, helping to reach them, helping to pour values into them, helping to teach them the word of God is so important. Why? Because after all, there's no hearse that carries a U-Haul. You get one shot at life. And every car eventually turns into a toaster. I don't care how nice it is. And houses get mowed over one day for other houses. And so if I'm living for the house, or if I'm living just to get the car, or if I'm living for the corner office, those things are so shallow compared to being able to pass this to somebody who can go further run faster and do more than I would ever do in my lifetime. That's my hope today. 
But to do that, I have to choose generosity. I understand that back in the back property with the Family Activity Center, you may be saying, well, Pastor, I I don't have any kids, and I don't have any grandkids back there, and and that's fine. But listen, there's still some kids and grandkids that need somebody to come along and not just accumulate, but be willing to sacrifice and give and be generous and say, I'm willing to build for you. I'm willing to help shape you. I'm willing to take a place for you so that I can one day pass the baton to you so that you can run the race that God's called you to run. Would you do this this morning? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment?